Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Guard Post podcast. Today's show is going to go in five shifts. The first shift is going to be me talking about the new rules and how I feel about certain ones. The second shift is going to be our running back positional breakdown. Our third shift is going to be in a fantastic interview with Jackson Connor, the XFL board's Seattle Dragons reporter. The fourth shift is going to be our positional breakdown of the linebackers. And our fifth shift is going to be me commenting on news from around the XFL and recent signings and wavings from the New York Guardians. Super excited for this episode. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Cue the intro. This is your host, Zachary Garten, and this is The Guard Post. Before we go ahead and get into our running backs and linebackers and the interviews we have for today, Really quickly, I just want to talk about the rules that were released and my kind of takes on them. They're really exciting. It really changes the game. But I just really want to talk about them a little bit and give you my takes on what rules will work and what rules really won't. So we're going to go ahead and start. I'm on the website right now. We're going to start with the new kicking rule where the kickers kick from the 25-yard line and the ball must land in between the 20 and the end zone. That's not really a skill problem for them. They should be able to do that every time. Guys used to kick from the 25 to the end zone all the time. This is really going to increase the amount of returns for returners. And it's going to be really interesting. So the idea that when the players can move and where they're lined up is really the interesting part. The coverage teams are going to line up on the 35 closest to the return man. And it's going to take a lot of one-on-one battles and one-on-one tackling for this to work. The returner is going to have a lot more open space, I believe, and a lot more one-on-one chances to make people miss. There's going to be a lot more kick returns with this, which I think is going to be good. Don't know about the ball being placed on the 35-yard line. If there's a touchback, I feel like it's a little bit too damaging for a team. I feel like a lot of kicks are going to be returned to around there anyways. And it just increases the importance of special team, which I like. It makes it a really important third of the game because there's a lot more opportunities in this. It's a little unconventional, but I think it will be okay, and I think we can adjust to that. Next thing we're going to talk about here really quick is the point after touchdown, the XFL rule with one, two, and three. I really liked what the AAF did when making two point conversions kind of mandatory. And I really like that. And I especially like the XFL rule where it's one, two or three points from the two, five or 10 yard line, ratchets it up the intensity, makes it just as important as any other play and makes the points non-guaranteed. And I think it makes the play interesting. You can almost get nine points of possession and it really changes how the game is played. So I could see a lot of teams, especially at the beginning of the season, going for those five yard things until we can determine what's the most efficient, what's the best way to score the most points. I believe that five yard margin is probably the best spot. You get two points for that. It's like a two point conversion. It's a lot easier than the 10 yard line. And it's going to increase the amount of comebacks as well, just because you can score nine points of possession. It's going to really change the game. And I'm really excited for that. Next thing we're going to talk about is the double forward pass. Not a huge fan of this personally. I think it's really geared towards the offense because you can't react to screens as much as a defense. And it really just changes how it's played. And we already had something like this with passing the ball behind you, making a lateral. I just, it's way too catered towards the offense. It makes it so that there's really no risk for an offense to try a trick play. I feel like a trick play in and of itself should be risky. And by doing this, there's no risk for a trick play. And it really ruins kind of some of the fun of a trick play because you're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then, oh, yes, or oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then it continues to be an oh, no until the defense has the ball. So I'm not a huge fan of this rule, but it's going to happen. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to be really interesting, really hard for defenses to adapt. It's definitely an offensive catered rule. And that's all right. We all want to see more offense. It's more fun for a lot of people to watch. I'm just not a fan of it because I think it's to care towards the offense and there's no risk involved now for trick plays for the off for the offense. Now we're going to talk about the punt rules. Not a huge fan of the punt rules. Personally, I love coffin punts in the NFL. I love seeing a good punter go to work and I love the position battle because it adds a new dynamic of scheme to the game. And I think this is something that's going to be missing from the XFL with these punt rules. And it's really going to be hard for a defense to really do anything. You can't leave. You, I mean, a punt team to actually cover a punt because you can't leave until the ball's off of the punter's foot. It makes the punt return have a lot of space. I don't hate that rule. I just hate the idea that there's no coffin corner punts. I feel like it's really going to mess up the field position battle and that aspect of the game. And it just, once again, catered more to scoring. And I get we want high scores in this game. We want to draw people to the league through highlights. And punt and kick returns are huge highlights of the game if they're done right. I just don't know how I feel about this rule in and of itself. 
The next rule we're going to talk about is the overtime rules. The overtime rule, I love it. I think it's really interesting take on the overtime rules. The idea that it's basically just a shootout kind of like in hockey or in soccer. Each team gets the ball and you just keep going until one's mathematic eliminated. I enjoy that. I think it's really cool. I think it could lead to some very high level intense moments. And you still have to play defense, which is something I like. The one thing I hate about the NFL being like, hey, let's each team get the ball. That's kind of what everybody wants. It kind of limits limits the need to play defense. And I think this means even though we have to get the ball, you still have to play defense. So hopefully we get one the first week of the season. Now we're just going to go into some of these clock management rules really quick. I won't spend too much time on them because we don't want to get too in depth here. But the first thing I'm going to talk about is the 25 second play clock and the running game clock. That's going to be really interesting and make games a lot faster, but it's going to change how games are managed as well from a clock management standpoint. It's going to be really interesting because incompletions and out of bound plays don't stop the clock. And it'll be interesting to see how much faster the game goes. It's an interesting dynamic that they're bringing to make the game faster and more enjoyable for fans. The 25 second game clock is going to be very interesting, very fast. But the one good thing about this is the clock won't, won't start until the ball is spotted. So that gives teams about seven seconds to get to the ball and get ready if they want to have a huddle or run a fast up-tempo offense. So they have time to get to the ball before it's spotted and they can be ready to go. I expect the pace of these games to be really fast. You won't be able to go take a bathroom break in between plays. It's going to be really interesting to see how teams adjust to this. I think conditioning is going to be huge. A lot of rotations here, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be tough to rotate. So they're going to have to be very well-conditioned. And I think we're going to see a lot of big plays because the guys are going to get tired, especially early in the year. Another thing I'm going to talk about is the one foot in bounds rule. I love it. It makes a lot more highlight catches. It's a lot safer. I still like the two feet in bounds, especially in the NFL level, because it's supposed to be more difficult. That's the point. It's supposed to be harder. It's supposed to be more difficult. I think this just shows that it's going to be more of a transition to the NFL kind of thing. It's one of those rules where we're going to see a lot of highlights because of it. The dedicated ball spotting official is another thing I really enjoy because you see something happen all the time. There's wacky NFL highlights where the guy, the running back is down, has the ball tucked in his arm, then sticks it forward and places it there. And then they spot it where he placed it after he was down. I think having a dedicated ball spotting official is really good for that. And we'll kind of limit that. And then it also makes the game move faster as well, which is really good. And that's really all I have here. That's... The new rules, and that's what I like and don't like about them. I'm super excited for the season to start. We're getting closer and closer every day. We'll move on here now to the running backs and linebackers, and then on to our interviews as well. We're back from break, and now we're going to talk some football, starting with our running backs. This is going to be a great group with a lot of diversity. It's going to be really interesting to see who comes out of this battle if we take two or three guys. And before I get into these player breakdowns, I'm going to go into what I look for from a running back. First, we're going to start with burst and lateral quickness. A guy you can look at for this is Saquon Barkley. He does a great job coming in and out of breaks very quickly, making lateral change of directions and bursting through a hole when he sees it. You've constantly seen his ability to gain chunk yards, and that's why I look to him. He finds holes really well and bursts through them. So it's a lot, a lot of speed, a lot of lateral quickness, and that's one of the first things I look for because it shows that ability to gain chunk yardage, which is something Saquon Barkley does very well. The next thing I look for is vision and decision-making. Running backs need to be decisive. They need to see a hole and hit it hard. They can't dilly-dally behind the line very much. They have to be able to see the correct hole as well. That's when it comes to vision. You have to know which hole is the correct hole to go through as soon as it opens up. You can't wait. So you have to see it and go. And one guy that does really good with that is Le'Veon Bell. He was able to wait. And then when he saw his hole, he hit it and he hit it hard. And that's one thing you got to see a lot from running back is that ability to be decisive and decide right away. This is my hole. I'm going to go there. That's the second thing I look for in running backs. The third thing is strength and contact balance. You got to be able to break through arm tackles. And you have to be able to bounce off shoulder tackles and stay up through glancing contact. And this allows a running back to create large gains after contact, which is huge because you're not always going to get through a hole scot-free. You can get hit in the hole, 
But once you get hit in the hole, are you able to stay on your feet, bounce off the contact, and make a big play? And one guy I look for that is Derrick Henry for the strength. He breaks through arm tackles super easy. You see it all the time. You've seen it throughout these playoffs. Nobody wants to tackle him. And that's the reason he's super strong. He's also big, but he's super strong. Another guy I look for when it comes to contact balance specifically is Alvin Kamara. He's slippery. He makes people miss very easily. He has really great contact balance, meaning he can get hit by a shoulder tackle and will just bounce off, stay on his feet, and stay moving at the same acceleration. And he also does a great job moving his body so that he never takes the full force of a contact. He's one example I use. So is Derrick Henry of strength and contact balance. And that's the third thing I look for in a running back. The last thing I look for is receiving ability. You have to be able to run good routes, first off, out of the backfield from the slot. You have to be very multiple in what you do. And you also have to have really good hands. You have to have at least decent hands when you're there. And that's something that I look for a lot in a running back because of how football is changing. Football has become more of a spread out game where running backs run routes a lot more. They don't just stay in a block. They don't just run play action and sit at the line. So that's something I really look for. One guy that you can really see does this well is Christian McCaffrey. Coming out of college into the draft, they said he could have been the number one slot receiver in the draft, but he was a running back and he was drafted the first round, yet he still does that in the league. He has the most receptions ever by running back through the first three seasons. He has two seasons that are top two all-time interceptions by a running back. He's used in the passing game a lot, but he's also really good and really consistent coming out of the backfield, running routes, getting open, catching the ball. These are just what I look for, one, two, three, four. They could be listed in importance from anybody else. It's just what I look for first, second, third, and fourth. Now that we're done with what I look for in a running back, we can go ahead and get into these player breakdowns. We're going to start with Tim Cook. He went to Oregon State, and he's going to wear number 20 for the Guardians. He's 25 years old, 6 feet tall, and 240 pounds. In college, he played nine games, had 30 rushing attempts, 137 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. One rushing touchdown, two receptions, 28 receiving yards, and a touchdown as well. In the AAF, when he played there for the Arizona Hotshots, he had 56 rushing attempts, 275 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, three targets, two receptions, 11 yards receiving, and one receiving touchdown. In the NFL, he spent two preseasons with Jacksonville. He's a big athletic guy. He ran about a 4'6", 4'7", so it shows he's got some speed. He could be a Really good red zone inside the five goal line back as well as fourth and one third and one short yardage situation back. He's got good special teams ability as well. He played a lot of that in college. He did some of that in the AAF. He's also really athletic for his size. He's got a good explosive rating. He's I talked about that a little bit with Jackson Connor in this next interview. He's athletic. He's big and he can be really useful in those goal line situations and those short yardage situations just due to that. And he has the ability to break off a big run every once in a while as well. So he's got some talent. I really like him. I don't know about his vision or his just burst. That's one thing I'm worried about with him, considering he's a little bit bigger, not the fastest guy. Those long legs can lead to some long runs, kind of like with Derrick Henry. You see that. He reminds me a lot of Brandon Jacobs. He's got the same build. Brandon Jacobs is a little bit faster, but he kind of reminds him of Brandon Jacobs, who has been a part of a Kevin Gilbride offense before. I think we'll probably see him if he makes a team in that role. Not sure if he will. We'll talk about that in a minute. Next guy we're going to go ahead and get into is Justin Stockton. He went to Texas Tech and he's going to wear number 23 for the Guardians. He's 24 years old, 5'10", 205 pounds. In college, he played 47 games, had 294 rushing attempts, 1,714 rushing yards, 14 rushing TDs, and he had 5.8 yards per carry. He had 82 receptions, 872 receiving yards, 10 receiving touchdowns, and 10.6 yards per reception. In the AAF, he played with Tim Cook on the Arizona Hot Shots. He had 43 rushes, 233 rushing yards. He had 5.4 yards per carry, one rushing touchdown, six targets, six receptions, and 28 receiving yards. In the NFL, he spent a preseason in Detroit. The one way I describe him really quickly is speedy, and he's a one-cut back. So he finds a hole, hits it, makes one cut, and he goes... He gets a lot of big runs this way due to his explosiveness. He's got pretty good wiggle. He can make the first guy miss most often. And he's got pretty good vision too, which is good. He's struggles against arm tackles sometimes because he's not the biggest or strongest guy, but he's got really good contact balance. He's very decisive and he ran a 4-4-5-4-5-40. So he's got some speed to him, which is really good as well. I just like his ability to be that one cut back in a zone blocking scheme. So if Kalen Gilbride runs a zone blocking scheme, I could see him flourish in that kind of role. And I really like Justin Stockton just due to that explosiveness. I would love to see him get more usage. He was never really a feature back anywhere he went. 
And I think he could really be a feature back. I think he's got the size to do it. I think he's got the ability to do it. And I think he's got the skill set to do that as well. The next guy we're going to talk about is Matthew Colburn. He's 22 years old. He went to Wake Forest. He's 5'10", 200 pounds. His college stats were 47 games played, 542 rushing attempts, 2,550 rushing yards, 15 rushing TDs, 4.7 yards per carry, 34 receptions, and 306 receiving yards. In the NFL, he spent a preseason with the LA Rams and did pretty well there, got cut in final cuts. He's a pretty good route runner. He spent a lot of time working out of the slot and on the outside as a receiver, which is really good. He runs with pretty decent power for his frame. He's got pretty good burst and speed. He's got pretty good vision as well. Good change of direction and jump cut. He can be a little bit indecisive at times. I've noticed he can't really, he doesn't always choose the correct hole, but I like his ability as a scat back kind of guy working out of the backfield as a receiver and being just a good back. He showed a lot of promise when he was at Wake Forest. He's also really young. He's only 22. So he has a lot of room to grow as well. And I think he has a good all around skill set that can make him really an asset to this team. If we run a zone blocking scheme, like with Justin Stockton. I think Matthew Colburn could be really useful to this team. He's got the same kind of similar skill set to Justin Stockton, where he'd thrive in his own blocking scheme, but for a different reason. He's got a really good change of direction and will choose the right cutback hole more often than Justin Stockton, who hits a seam and he goes. Matthew Colburn's not that type of runner. He'll make more people miss. He's shiftier that way. And I really like his ability to be that scat back, receiving back out of the backfield and make plays there. Both Matthew Colburn and Justin Stockton are good receiving backs, and I'll get into why that'll help them make the roster most likely in a minute. The next guy we're going to talk about is Darius Victor. He's from Towson. He's going to wear number 27 for the Guardians. He's 25 years old, 5'8", and 209 pounds. In college, he ran for 637 rushing attempts, 3,309 rushing yards, 5.2 yards per carry, 41 TDs, 20 receptions, 141 receiving yards, and one touchdown. In the NFL, he had stops in New Orleans and Arizona for a preseason and was on Arizona's practice squad for a little bit. He's got really good contact balance from what I've seen. He's got a low center of gravity. It allows a decent change of direction ability. He's pretty good going from side to side. He does not have great burst. He ran a 4.6, and for his size, it's not very good. And I think this guy reminds me of a slower MJD. He's definitely not afraid of contact, which is good. He will run you over. That's the one thing. He's got a lot of power, really good breaking arm tackles, and he's got pretty good contact balance. Does not have a lot of use in the passing game, but we got to realize that Towson offense he was working in was usually bad. He was usually the workhorse, the one guy making yardage, and he's the only back with a full workload for a good portion of his career on this roster. So it's really important to realize that, that he has this ability to take a full workout without taking too many injuries he had a couple hand injuries in his time which is a little bit worrying but it's a running back so it's not the worst thing and i think he could be a useful back in these first and second down he doesn't have the receiving ability i'd like for a full three down back and it'll be really interesting to see how this shakes out i think he's got ability i just don't know how he fits on this roster so when we look at who will keep on the roster out of these four guys we'll probably keep three total running backs and the running backs have to complement each other. That's one thing we got to remember. So I believe that in any scheme we run, the starters should be Justin Stockton and Matthew Colburn, but scheme is going to be very important in this. I think that if we run more of a zone blocking scheme, I could see Justin Stockton and Matthew Colburn really thriving because that's what they're used to. That's what they work in. If we run more of a power running scheme, I think Victor and Cook will work really well in that, and I think they'll shine there. The two combos I can see in the going into the end of training camp is probably Justin Stockton and Matthew Colburn making it as locks while Tim Cook and Darius Victor battle for the final spot. That's the most likely battle I see just due to the fact that I think these two are probably the better running backs on the team. Tim Cook and Darius Victor are both really good running backs, but they don't complement each other very well. I think Justin Stockton and Matthew Colburn complement each other really well, and they could line up in the backfield at the same time while Tim Cook and Darius Victor lining up in the backfield won't give you very much option and versatility. And I could probably see Tim Cook winning that battle just due to his ability in special teams. He's he's been really useful in special teams, and that's somewhere I could see him playing a lot. The next scenario I see, which is less likely, is Justin Stockton and Matthew Colburn, just due to them both having a receiving ability, will battle for that final spot. Will Tim Cook and Darius Victor will make make it on the team for their contrasting physical types? Tim Cook's a really big back. Darius Victor's a very small back. They both run very similarly, similarly, but Tim Cook's bigger. Darius Victor's smaller, so coaches will see that and be like, oh, they can complement each other really well. 
I don't think that'll work out as well as the first combo. I think Justin Stockton and Matthew Colburn are our best backs personally. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I do believe that first combo is the most likely scenario. Now that we're done talking about running backs, we're going to go ahead and go into our interview with Jackson Connor, where he talks about our running back depth and the team and also talks about the Seattle Dragons, what we can look forward to when we eventually play them. Thank you guys. We'll be back from break in a minute. What's up, guys? Welcome back from the break. Right now, I got XFL board Seattle team reporter Jackson Connor with me, and we're going to go ahead and talk about a couple of things XFL. How you doing today, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm pretty good myself. It's been a busy day for me, but here we are. We're talking about the XFL. What do you think about the new rules? Um, I really like them. I think I think there's just it's enough change where it's fresh, but it's not all of their its own thing. It's still football as we know it. The one rule I have a problem with the punting rules. What do you think about those ones? Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it kind of shapes out. They did a lot of testing, so I'm not as worried, but I think there's a lot of emphasis on going for it on fourth down now. Just kind of, I think they're going for it on fourth down will be a lot more prevalent. But yeah, I think 35, I just, the one I don't really know about is the they're not allowed to cross the line of scrimmage. I feel like that could be... That could lead to like a lot of punt, punt return touchdowns, which might be what they're going for, yeah. but some, it might be a little odd. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like it's going to damage a lot of really long punts that come from the other side of the field. So let's say you guys are on your 30 or 40 and the, the punter punts it and gets a couple of really good bounces and ends up going into the end zone. It's going to really punish a guy for punting it 60, 70 yards on a really good punt for almost no reason. So that's kind of one of my issues with it. We'll see how it works out. I'm sure it'll be fine. And we'll probably all just get over it once the season starts. Mm-hmm. But I, overall, I think, what's your favorite new rule? Um, I really like the overtime rules, but I think we are not going to get as many overtimes as we would in the NFL, just because of probably my other favorite rule, the the one, the tiered point afters. I I really like that rule too, and I think that will provide like a lot of different types of scores. So now there's three things you could do after after instead of just two and also in the NFL they mostly just kick the PAT and this it's going to be one two three I don't know which one will be the most I the most used I would expect the two-point rule yeah that's kind of what I expect to be the most used as well I think it's probably the most likely to be advantageous to you one point from the two isn't the same as two from the five I feel like it's not going to be as difficult to get two points as it would be three and then almost as easy to get one as two that didn't sound good when I said it in my, it sounded better in my head, <laughs> but hopefully you guys understand what I'm saying. So, yeah, I think the three point will be kind of reserved for comebacks. Yeah, exactly. When you're down, it just creates an interesting dynamic, like almost no teams out of the game. Cause you can sp- score nine points at a time realistically, which makes an interesting development there. And when you punt a touchback, you're starting on the 35. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's going to be really interesting to see for sure. So now we're going to go ahead and get into what I'm talking about. But this episode, a good portion of it is the running back situation. I know you spent a lot of time when you were covering the AAF, covering specifically running backs. I know you're a huge Trey Williams guy mm-hmm. when you um, covered him. Is there anybody like that on the current Guardians roster that you really liked when they were in the AAF? Um, I really want to see Justin Stockton get a little more usage. Um, He had... He had a really good yards per carry in the AF 5.4. I understand a lot of that was came from he was on a lot of like draws. I remember charting his running his runs and a lot of them were like draws. So you're going to see typically more, a higher yards per carry. But he was really good. He, he looked really explosive in the AF. He, I remember he had one very long touchdown run. And in college, he's utilized a lot in the passing game, like 82 receptions throughout his college career. So I think I think he's a guy that the New York Kevin Gilbride hoping I'm hoping he can be used in the passing game and obviously Cook's going to be more of the in between the tackles guy but I think Stockton yeah. could play a huge role oh yeah I when I watched his college tape because that's mostly what I watched for these guys because their college tape but when I watched him I noticed he's got a lot of long explosive runs he's really good at breaking those off and he did have 82 receptions which is really good he's a guy I'm excited to play I expect him and probably Matthew Colburn from Wake Forest to kind of battle for that one that 
run, number one running back spot. I expect a lot of rotation as well, especially on a lot of these rosters, because that's usually how these end up working. Who's another guy on this roster? I know I just brought up Matthew Colburn that you expect to play a big role for the uh, for the Guardians. Um, from the running back position, yeah. Um, I think Cook. I think Cook's gonna operate as mostly the between the tackles guy. I think I think drafted him. They drafted him uh, earlier than most of the other guys. It was fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when he was drafted. Those drafts were there was a lot of people drafted to say the least. Yeah, I think I think Cook was in the fourth, and Stockton and Victor were in the eighth and the ninth. It might have been Colbert in the ninth, but yeah. Cook was the guy they drafted first. I think he's gonna get the lion's share between the tackles, but he was a guy that really only caught two passes in the AF, caught two passes in college. He's he's not a guy I see catching a lot of passes. I think that's going to go to more to Stockton. I think Stockton, like I said, Stockton, Colburn, and even Victor can work as kind of like yeah. that 1B to Cook. We'll just have to see. My guess would be Stockton, but we'll just have to see. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. Um, my kind of favorite under the radar kind of guy for the Guardians as a whole is probably Matthew Colburn. When I watched his tape at Wake Forest, he had a lot of uses his senior year, especially in the passing game. I mean, he doesn't look like it on the stat book. He only had, I think, 30 something receptions total, but he did end up, he's lined up in the slot and outside a lot in that very dynamic Wake Forest offense in that 2017 year. He's a guy I like to project as our number one guy just because of his different usage and if Kevin Gilbride goes back to his run and shoot roots I think that could be really useful for him Colburn was a guy that I when I'm doing a little bit of research on him I uncovered something about him how he had a chip in his shoulder in college and uh when Louisville's Bobby Petrino pulled a scholarship offer from him a day before signing day Colburn then went to to rush against Louisville for 243 yards and three touchdowns when he played the next and I I thought that was really interesting and that kind of shows his character just just a, a tough guy oh yeah and you wouldn't totally guess it by his running style but he he makes people miss too which i really like he's got really good lateral quickness he didn't get a ton of nfl looks i think it's partially just because he was from a weaker um acc at the time and on that wake forest team that didn't have a lot of nfl talent on it but i think he's a guy that can be really dynamic for this hopefully what I'm hoping for a run and shoot offense, we could end up seeing it be more pro style, especially with Matthew McGloin at quarterback. But if it is more run and shoot, I think Matt um, guys like Justin Stockton and Matthew Colburn could end up getting a priority over guys that are more in between guys like Tim cook and, and Victor Darius Victor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Colburn down on a four, four, seven 40 yard dash. That was from his pro day. Yeah, um, that's what I have. He was a four five ish guy. Well, Justin Stockton was a little bit closer, I believe, to a four four. They were both around that same range, though. Victor is a really interesting guy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and give what I have on him really quick. He ran a four six four seven, so he's a little bit slower on that. He's got that Maurice Jones Drew body type with that five eight build with and like around two hundred and ten pounds. He did a lot of between the tackles work at Towson where he played. He's a lot slower than MJD though, which worries me. I mean, he's ran a four, six, four, seven where MJD ran a four, four. So that's kind of where the comparison stops a little bit when it comes to speed with Darius Victor. Mm -hmm. I am down as 67th percentile bench, but only a 28th percentile spark score. Yeah. Um, So he's a little less of an athlete than say someone like, Justin Stockton, who had a 69% spark score and a 90th percentile agility. But yeah, uh, one thing that I was looking at is, of course, you know, following the AAF, that this backfield is really similar to that of the Arizona Hotshots. Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) Just doesn't have Presley. But I was looking at Tim Cook and Stockton averaged more yards per carry than Presley, even though Presley got the lion's share of the work. Oh, yeah. I I found that to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... That running back situation when it was in Arizona when they were playing in the AF was really interesting. They had a lot of talented guys, and it was really weird how they balanced out those carries. I always liked Justin Stockton when I watched him. I didn't watch a whole ton of Arizona because I was mostly covering San Diego at the time, 
And when I did watch Arizona, it was kind of just like, hey, what are we looking for? And what are we watching for them? And whenever I saw Justin Stockton play, I always liked him because he just he had this one cut ability where he'd hit the whole one cut once and then he'd be straight up field. And he might make one or two dudes miss, but he was very decisive as a runner, which I really liked when I watched him. I remember he had one big highlight run. I forget who it was, it was against, but I remember he like jumped over a guy at one yeah. point or like bounced off a guy when he was jumping. Yeah. Tim Cook was always a guy that was frustrating to figure out in AF, especially like charting running back usage because he'd get, he'd get like 12 carries and press would only get 10 one game and then he'd go back down to like two the next game. Overall, he didn't have a bad line in the AF. 56 carries, 275 yards for 4.9 average and three touchdowns. He wasn't bad in the AF and I think, I think he could be useful in this offense. Oh yeah, every offense could use a six foot tall, two hundred forty pound back that can just bully people in between the tackles. And he's not the slowest for at being six foot and two hundred forty pounds. He ran a four six ish forty, I think. And I when I looked four, back at his four six nine, so closer to four seven. But when I looked back at his time in college, he also did a lot of special teams for Oregon State. Mm-hmm. And that's intriguing to me because when I look at guys for this roster, especially guys that kind of have one set ability, like Tim Cook being able to run between the tackles, I like to see if they'd be good special teams guys too. And if they could perform there and add a little bit of usage that side so they could have a better chance of making the roster there. For some of his physical attributes from player profile, playerprofiler.com, I have him for an 80th percentile bench, 74th percentile spark score, and 74th percentile burst. So at six foot two forty two, he's he's a pretty good athlete. He's not just a big oh, yeah. lumbering guy. I mean, he has four six nine forty time, which isn't the greatest, but he's a big guy. Oh yeah, adjusted for that, he's a pretty good athlete. Oh yeah, I agree, definitely. He reminds me of Brandon Jacobs a bit. He was who was also in Kevin Gilbride's offense with the Mod Bradshaw. Oh yeah, which I could see. Person, I could see Matthew Colburn playing that Mod Bradstraw role. It's really interesting to see how these teams developed in similar ways as a lot of these head coaches' previous teams. Mm-hmm. This running back battle is going to be really interesting to see, and I'm super excited. I'm super excited for the um, Guardians to play the Dragons too, just because mm-hmm. I, when I look at the Dragons roster, I love their roster too. Are there any guys there that you think the Guardians should look out for when they play them? Um, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I like you obviously know I like I like Trey Williams. I was thrilled yes. when he came. Thrilled when he came to the Guardians and he's been looking good in camp. But a guy a guy that's been really impressive when I went I went to train I went to mini camp. A guy that was really impressive was one of their slot guys, Austin Prohl. He he was just very reliable from the slot. He caught every ball thrown his way. Another guy, Keenan Reynolds, was pretty explosive. He had a good career in Navy. I think those are the those are the two guys I'd like out of the slot and on the outside. Ross and Casey and Williams are probably going to start there, but Trey Williams is just Trey Williams is my guy. I think <laughs> I think he is going to do some damage this year. Oh yeah, I remember when he whenever he played during his AF, you you just light up on Twitter and just be like be super excited because from what you've at least from what you've seen and what does Trey Williams Williams really bring that that makes you excited to watch him play? Um, the first thing is probably pass catching. When when in the San Antonio Commanders, I remember they released they released something where they called him their their own version of James White, and that's what really got me going at first. I started looking a lot more to Trey Williams after that. I knew who he was, but I didn't I hadn't really been that familiar with him. And after they compared him to James White, I like looked into his tape, and some of the, some of his production is really impressive. And then as it's just his his agility, his pass catching ability, and they I've saw him run through run between the tackles. Like we have we have a few guys on the Dragons that can run between the tackles pretty well. But I think Trey Williams will get his shot there, and he will be the primary pass catcher. They drafted him in the first round, which is really surprising to me. I I didn't see that coming. Like I love Trey Williams, but I didn't. See, I didn't see them drafting a running back in the first round. I thought they would just go wide, probably wide receiver, but drafted Williams, then they drafted Farrow, and the actually the Dragons offensive coordinator, Mike Riley, was a head coach of the Commanders. So that made a lot of sense, getting Williams and Farrow back together. They obviously like what he saw in San Antonio. I think oh, yeah. that's going to be a really good, really good duo for them. And don't forget about <laughs> San Diego Fleet, Jaquan Gardner. Oh, yeah. 
Gotta love some Jaquan Gardner. Really <laughs> explosive guy there. I really remember watching him and just loving what he did earlier in the season. And then he was really just hindered by that not very good offensive line when they were in San, San Diego. Jaquan Gardner was always a guy that I was very adamant about fading in a DFS and the AAF, mm-hmm. but it was nothing nothing against his talent. Just kind of like, they just like really liked to involve Terrell Watson. And I thought for Gar- Gardner would just regress. And eventually he did, but I got burned by him a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's really quick. He's really explosive. He's able to break off huge runs. But when it comes to, especially later in the season, when the fleet's quarterback situation went to crap and they just kept stacking the box. Our offensive line couldn't deal with that. And then he kept getting just hit in the backfield and there wasn't a whole lot he could do about it. So he brings another dynamic to that Seattle team that I'm really interested to see how that ends up and how they balance those three really talented running backs they have there in Seattle. They invested significant draft capital. Farrell and Williams were the first two round picks and Gardner wasn't, it was a phase five pick, but like, while that means a little bit, a lot of that goes away once you get the pads on and training camp. Oh, yeah. And everyone's on an even playing field, so it'll be interesting. I would think that Williams and Farrell were probably probably the two most used in week one or two, but uh, I, know, I know injuries happen. And also, Gardner, Gardner's a guy that it only takes one run for him to impress the coaching staff. Oh, yeah. In, in a game, like give him three or four carries and he'll break one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just limited work. I know. He probably, even if he only gets five to ten carries, maybe every game, probably closer to that five number, he'll probably break at least one or two runs for 15 to 20 yards, and that's really all you need from him at that point is to be that change of place, change of pace explosive back. Is there anybody else on that Dragons team that we should look out for when we um come down to Seattle? I believe it's in March 22nd, and I don't remember if we play you guys a little earlier than that. I think Silvers is still going to be the quarterback. He's a guy that looked really impressive when I went to minicamp. He was just, he was accurate and he was calm. He was calm in the pocket and just went through his reads and hit guys. And I was, I was really impressed by Silvers. And I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be the starter. They haven't released. I mean, he was the one assigned to them. They haven't, he's been taking the, he was taking the first team reps when I was there. They haven't really released anything that would make me assume otherwise. So yeah, I I like this offense. I the Dragons offense. I will be the first to admit though that looking at the roster top to bottom, it doesn't have as much speed as some of the other rosters, like DC, for example. Oh, DC has a ton of speed. It doesn't have as much as much much speed as some of those rosters, but I think I think it's pretty well constructed. Oh yeah, Brandon Silvers is a guy I remember banging the table for when he finally started playing in the AAF because they kept switching Johnny Manziel in. For him when Brandon Silvers was playing really well I'm super excited to see him play he's a guy that I loved watching and I think he could lead you guys to a very good offense especially with guys like Fred Ross on the outside who used to play for the Panthers and Austin Prohl was pretty good I believe he played for UNC he was pretty good there in that role super excited for that game hopefully I'll be up in Seattle for uh, the game against the Guardians in in March been looking at tickets for that hopefully i can get there but thank you for coming on man i really appreciate it where can anybody reach you on social media or find your articles um my articles are at xfo board i cover mostly this just the seattle dragons but i'm also doing a fantasy also doing like a fantasy draft kit putting that together just getting some team previews ranking some sleepers out kind of waiting on an official release to like really get that going official release of fantasy platform and on social media, my ad is jfantasyjf, and I just kind of tweet about mostly XFL news, retweet stuff, links to my articles, just kind of like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you guys are Guardians fans that are listening right now, make sure you follow Jackson. He does a great job covering XFL and running backs in particular. I love his work there, especially when he's covering the AAF. Make sure you give him a follow. Thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Hopefully I can have you on in the future, especially that week we play the Dragons.
After that great conversation with Jackson Connor, we're going to be done with the offensive side of the ball. Now we're going to talk about our linebacker positional breakdowns. And first, I'm going to go ahead and get into what I look for from a linebacker. The first thing is going to be you have to be a good tackler. Things I look to see that is usually lots of solo tackles. If they're making solo tackles, that's usually a really good thing. Linebackers don't get a ton. Actually, linebackers get a ton of tackles, but they get a good mix of solo and assisted, usually just because of where they are in the field. They get a lot of people around the ball. But also, I look for the ability to tackle from any angle, and they consistently wrap up. Good linebackers will hit with your shoulder and knock you down. Great linebackers will hit you with the shoulder and knock you down, but also have your arms around you so they don't bounce off. There's a lot of good running backs with good contact balance nowadays, so it's important to make sure you wrap up so you can take these guys to the ground. The next thing I look for is speed, sideline to sideline. You got to be fast and athletic. You got to make numerous plays on each side of the field. You got to be able to move all over the place. It's important to be multiple in what you do, and having that speed from sideline to sideline will be huge in helping these linebackers do that, especially if we're running this 3-4 that I believe we'll be running. The next thing, you got to be able to have good run recognition. You got to understand run schemes and be able to, you have to be able to diagnose and recognize holes. I mean, you got to know where the running back's going to go before he goes there so you can meet him. Playing defense is always hard just because you're reacting to what the offense wants to do. One way you can dictate what the offense does is by understanding their scheme better than them. And that comes from a lot of film study and just some instincts as well. One guy that's really good at this run recognition is Luke Keekley. He always has the knack of being exactly where he needs to be before the offense is. And he makes that play. He's really good at that. Next thing I look for is coverage ability. In zone, you got to continue to look for work. You got to be able to look from side to side, find ways to help the team in coverage. A lot of linebackers won't do that. They'll just sit in their zone and wait for something to come with them. Good linebackers will look, 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 and make sure they're able to make plays even outside of their own because they're just looking for work and understand the scheme. And you got to be able to cover tight ends and running backs. I don't expect you to be covering slot receivers. I expect you to be able to cover tight ends and running backs. So now that I'm done talking about that, we're going to go ahead and get into our player breakdowns. And we're going to start with Nick DeLuca from North Dakota State. He's going to wear number 49 for the Guardians. He's a middle linebacker type. He is 24 years old. He's 6'3 and 245 pounds. In college, he had 155 solo tackles, 172 assisted tackles, 17 passes defense, eight and a half sacks, and seven interceptions. During his time in the NFL, he had stops in Tennessee and Miami for their preseasons, and he also had time in Jacksonville on their practice squad, and then he also spent some time special teaming for Jacksonville, getting on the field and doing special teams. And that's one place where I could see him thrive. He's always run the ball, which is really good, and it's good for a special teams guy. He's a really smart coverage linebacker, so he looks for work. He has an injury bug, which is not really good. He's a smart player and a decent tackler, but he dives a lot for tackles, which isn't good, especially at a higher level. He played at the FCS level, so it's not as high as the FBS or in the NFL, and diving for tackles will cause you to miss a lot of tackles because these guys are a lot quicker. So I expect him to battle for a spot, but he has an injury bug, which could hurt him. He has not been very consistent, but he's a very smart player and a decent tackler. So that's something to look for with him. The next guy we're going to talk about is Frank Ginda from San Jose State. He's going to wear number 47 for the Guardians. He's a middle linebacker. He's 22 years old, six feet tall, probably a little closer to 5'10 or 5'11. He's a little bit on the shorter side and weighs 245 pounds. In college, he played in 37 games. At 36 starts, he had 185 solo tackles, 166 assisted tackles, 29 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, one interception, four passes defense, two fumble recoveries, six forced fumbles, one touchdown off of a fumble recovery. He led the NCAA in tackles his junior season, technically his last season in NCAA in 2017 with 173 total tackles. In the NFL, he spent time in Arizona during their preseason and Miami during their preseason. And then he had a stop in the AAF where he played for the San Diego Fleet and was one of their leading tacklers with 41 total tackles. He had four tackles for loss, two passes defense, and one forced fumble. He's a guy I really like to watch on film. But one thing I did notice, he needs to be more aggressive attacking blocks. It's one thing that he doesn't do very well. And he's kind of a catch tackler, so he doesn't really drive his feet on contact, but he doesn't miss those catch tackles. He always wraps up, and he doesn't have the best lateral quickness as well, but he has great recognition in the run game. He likes to get to places before the offense does and make plays in the run game, and he can struggle to get off blocks a little bit just because of his smaller size. I think he has worked on the quickness. He showed a lot better quickness in San Diego, and he gets off blocks better at San Diego. So I think he's grown in that area of his game. And I think he'd be really good. One thing we got to remember with him, just like with a guy we talked about in our running back segment, Matthew Colburn, they're 22. They have room to grow. They're really young. So I'd expect them to grow and get better and play better as seasons go on and they get more experience. So I expect Frank Ginda to be really good once he gets more experience because he has the mental tools. He just needs to catch up a little bit physically and technically. 
Next guy we're going to talk about is Ben Heaney. He's from Kansas. He's going to wear number 56 for the Guardians. He's a middle linebacker type, much like Frank Inda is a middle linebacker type. He's 27 years old, six feet tall and 230 pounds. In college, he played in 46 games, had 34 games started, 221 solo tackles, 113 assisted tackles, 36 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, four interceptions, five passes defense, one fumble recovery, and three forced fumbles. In the NFL, he spent two years with Oakland as a fifth round draft pick, 44 solo tackles, nine assisted tackles, two and a half sacks, one punt, one pass defense, and one forced fumble during his time there. Then he was IR'd in New Orleans due to an injury, and then he spent time on Houston's special teams during and that's kind of the end of his time in the NFL. This guy is an endless motor when you watch him. He does not give up. He keeps going and does not stop chasing a guy. That's one thing I love about watching his tape. He does not stop working to make a play. But what I did notice, he doesn't shed blocks really well. It's something in his game that I believe he has hopefully worked on and will work on. He doesn't look like he has the quickness to cover slot guys. But like I said, it's important that he covers tight ends and running backs. But I think he cover there in zone. He seems to sit. He doesn't have his eyes looking for work very often, but I think that's something he can work on. He's still a really talented athlete that could really grow in that aspect of his game. He misses tackles a little bit too much and guesses, so he'll dive one way and he'll miss the tackle because the guy will cut the other way. But he's a really good athlete. He's fast and he's quick. He was really raw coming out of college, and I think he's developed probably a bit, and I think he can end up being a leader on this defense just because, first off, he's an athlete. He's fast and quick, like I said. And he has a lot of experience in the NFL. And he's one of the older guys on the roster. So naturally, he's become probably more of a leader. He's a guy I'd look to be probably starting at middle linebacker once the season starts. Next guy I'm going to talk about is Darnell Leslie. He's 25 years old, 6'2", 235 pounds. He's from Monmouth. He's going to wear number 51 for the Guardians. In college, he played defensive end. He played 34 games and started all 34 of those games. Had 85 solo tackles, 67 assisted tackles, 36 tackles for loss. 16 sacks, one interception, one pass defense, four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, and one kick block. So he shows that he has ability to be on special teams. He doesn't have any experience in the NFL that I saw, but he has a good array of moves from what I've seen. He's fast and athletic. He played against a lower level of competition, which is a little worrying, but he's also more of a pass rushing outside linebacker. That's probably where he's going to play in this 3-4. And he needs to work a little bit on bend and fix flexibility. He showed flashes of really good flexibility, but I think that's something he can still work on. He has almost no coverage experience, but he's very willing to take on blockers and maneuvers through traffic well when he's going against the run, which is really good from an outside linebacker. A lot of guys will be pass rushing specialists, but suck against the run. He's a guy that can do a little bit of both. His lack of sack production worries me a little bit, but I think that'll just come with time as he works on his pass rush moves and his bend and flexibility. And I think the one thing he needs to work on is his coverage experience. But if he's going to play outside linebacker in a 3-4, I expect him to probably be rushing the passer most of the time. The next guy we're talking about is Ryan Moyer from Kansas State. He's going to be wearing number 44. He's 28 years old, 6'2", and 245 pounds. He's got really good size. I'm guessing he played about 49 games in college. I couldn't find the exact number, but he had 92 solo tackles, 24 assisted tackles, 28 and a half tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks. 15 passes defense, two fumble recoveries, and three forced fumbles. One thing we got to remember with Ryan Moyer, much like Darnell's Leslie, he played defensive end in college. His production really fell off his senior season. I think that's probably because he was getting more attention. This is a guy that was a walk-on going into Kansas State, and their really standout, famous head coach, Bill Snyder, credited this guy as one of the hardest working athletes he's ever seen. And you can see that when he plays. He's an endless motor guy. He does not stop working, much like Ben Heaney. He never stops working to try to make a play. I don't know about his ability in the run game. Couldn't find a full game film. The 28 and a half tackles for loss is promising, so he might be good in the run game. He hits hard and doesn't miss his tackles either, which is good. He's got a pretty good first step off the line, but he doesn't have a lot of moves, meaning he doesn't have a lot of hand fighting moves. He doesn't have really great bend or um, flexibility, but he shows good burst and quickness. So he has talent, but he's 28 years old now. He's probably not going to change his game very much because he's a little bit older, and I don't know if he'll be taking that next step. And I also haven't seen him play much because I didn't, couldn't find a lot of film on him from, from nah, because I couldn't find a lot of film from him. So I don't know if he's going to take this next step. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does and how he compares to other guys in this league, especially being a little bit older than some of the other linebackers we have on this roster. The next thing I'm going to talk about is Charles Wright. He's from Vanderbilt. He's going to be wearing number 55 for the Guardians. Couldn't find an age on him, but he's 6'3 and 240 pounds. He also played defensive end and outside linebacker in college. So he also has a little bit more of a pass rushing guy. I know we had 
nine sacks in 2017, but I couldn't find any specific stats from him for some reason. He's a raw edge rusher with good spend, speed, and quickness. Doesn't have a lot of hand fighting moves. I couldn't find a lot of film on him either. From everything I could find, he looks like he has a good bend, speed, and quickness. He was getting a little bit of draft hype going into the 2018 draft as kind of a sleeper pick, but nobody picked him up. He went undrafted. I think he spent a little bit of time in the NFL, maybe for a mini camp or a preseason, but I can't guarantee that. He had a little bit of an injury problem his senior season, and we'll just have to see how that develops. But he looked really raw and it looks like he had a lot of talent when he had, was at Vanderbilt from what I've read and what I've seen. So he's a guy to watch out for. Another guy that we just recently signed, and I'll talk about a little bit more in my next section, is Garrett Dooley. He's an outside linebacker from Wisconsin. He looked like he was more of a 3-4 outside linebacker where he spent a lot of time defending the run. He didn't really have the high sack numbers you'd like to see. But from what I saw, he was a pretty talented athlete. Didn't show the quickness and or lot like top end speed you'd like to see or burst but he looked really strong which was big and i'll discuss more of him in the next section because i don't have him his name on my notes just yet and it's concerning he was just signed so i need to do a little bit more research on him the next guy i'm gonna talk about is Dwana hines from houston he's wearing number 45 for the guardians he's more of a middle linebacker type he's 25 years old six foot one and 235 pounds in college he played in Dwana hines played in 33 games had 171 total tackles, eight tackles for loss, one interception, three passes defensed, and three forced fumbles. He had a couple of T in the NFL where he where he played in Cleveland for 13 games as a special teamer. He also had time in Kansas City during their preseason. When I watch him, he really raw, but he has quick first step. He's athletic, and he has a lot of promise. He's a little bit undersized at 235. I'd like to see him put on maybe 5, 10 pounds, but I think he's got good strength. I think he... Works his way through the run really well. He's athletic. He's fast. He's quick. He could be a really good coverage guy. But he does get lost in the wash sometimes. He's not the most... He doesn't have the best understanding of run concepts. So he gets lost in the wash and won't really do a great job finding the running back. But he is also a really good block shutter. So I think once he figures out run calls a little bit better. And I think once he works on his understanding of run concepts, he could be really good in that asset in that facet of the game he's got a lot of talent he's quick he's fast and he sheds blocks really well he could be really good in coverage like i said so i expect him to end up on the final roster just because of that talent i think he's really good and he's 25 and he's got good sides so he's a guy i really like the next guy i'm gonna talk about is Jawan johnson he's an outside linebacker and can play a little middle linebacker in a 3-4 type scheme didn't have an age on him he went to Northern Illinois and TCU. He transferred to TCU as a grad transfer. He's going to wear number four. He's going to wear number 48 for the Guardians. He's six feet tall and 220 pounds. I like to see him put on 10 to 15 pounds this season. He played in 39 games, had 127 solo tackles, 87 assisted tackles, 31 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, seven interceptions, two were returned for TDs, four passes defensed, five fumble recoveries, one was returned for a touchdown, and five forced fumbles. In 2017, his senior year at NIU, he was graded as the number one linebacker per PFF. He was really good in that season at NIU. I watched his tape from a couple of games, and he showed a lot of promise there. He's a little bit undersized, and he used to play safety. I like that he used to play safety. I think it adds another area of his game. He was trusted a lot in coverage at NIU. He's going to be a Swiss Army knife for this team if he makes it. I love his ability to plug and play really anywhere. Due to his athleticism, he's got a fast first step. He navigates through traffic really well, but he doesn't always take the best angles. You kind of see that when he's chasing after a guy, he'll end up behind him a little bit. But he's a pretty sure tackler, and he's such a tantalizing guy for a multiple defense that I think we're going to run. I think we'll be mostly primarily a 3-4 where he can play that outside linebacker spot that flexes out and covers slot guys or flexes in and plays in the run. He's really talented in that way. And I expect him to be a factor in this defense. I really like his ability to be multiple. Like I said, he's fast. He's got a great first step and he works his way through traffic really well. There's plenty of plays where he shoots a gap that I didn't see on film and makes the play in the backfield. Hence his 31 and a half tackles for loss. He can rush the passer a little bit with his five sacks and he was great in coverage. He had seven interceptions during his time in college and he really was able to make plays on the ball when he was in coverage, and I really love that from a linebacker. So he's a guy I expect to make the roster and really make an impact. So when we look at these linebackers, we really got to look at how we're going to 
break down the roster. Are we going to be in a 3-4 or 4-3? I expect us to be in a 3-4. That's what I saw from some of the video coming out of the Guardians camp. I expect us to be in a 3-4. So I'm going to break it down such where we have two starting outside linebackers and two starting middle linebackers. And I'll go ahead and start with who I think is going to be the starting middle linebackers. I'm guessing it's probably going to be Ben Heaney and Dewan Hines. I think they have the most experience at those positions, and I think they can really thrive there. I think Ben Heaney, his leadership and his athleticism will let him thrive in a 3-4 where he's a little bit more free and there's bigger guys in the box taking up ta- taking up guards and centers. And then I think probably Dewan Hines, I just like his athleticism, and he also has a little bit of experience in the NFL. The backup guy, probably you're probably going to take three or four middle linebacker guys. Probably three because Juwan Johnson can probably plug and play there as well. I'd probably say Frank Gendas, that next guy. He's young and he's got talent, so I can see him making over Nick DeLuca. Nick DeLuca's experience might beat out Frank Genda. We'll just wait and see. But I expect Juan Hines, Ben Heaney, and Frank Genda to be the three middle linebackers that make it. And then we'll go into the then we'll go into the outside linebacker guys that I expect to make it. We may have less outside linebackers than middle linebackers, so I could see Nick DeLuca making it instead of one of these guys. But Jawan Johnson and Darnell Leslie are guys I expect to make it. I think they've got a lot of athletic ability. Like I said, with Jawan Johnson, he's really multiple and can play a lot of positions. So I expect him to make it, whether he's playing middle linebacker or outside linebacker, I expect him to play both. Darnell Leslie, I think, is more of a pass rusher, and I think he's going to really thrive there in a 3-4. Just he's a little bit too small to be a defensive end, so that's where he'll transition. I think he could be really good there, especially as a run stopper and pass rush a little bit. And I expect Charles Wright. I really liked his ability to play. I don't know enough about Garrett Dooley to really make an assessment on that, but I think Charles Wright will make it in that role. And I think Ryan Mueller will struggle just due to age and his lack of explosiveness, but we'll just have to wait and see with him. He's got a lot of experience. So right now, the guys I expect to make the team are probably Charles Wright, Darnell Leslie, Jawan Johnson, Dewan Hines, Ben Heaney, and Frank Ginda. Nick DeLuca can make it instead of one of those guys because there's more defensive ends that can play both outside linebacker and D-end on the team guys like Victor Ochi who I'll get into next week but that's who I expect to make from the linebackers it's gonna be really interesting to see how this develops we're gonna go into a break real quick before I get into the last little bit where I cover XFL news and a couple of the new signings for the Guardians Now we are to our final shift of the day. Right now, we're just going to talk about a couple things news-wise coming out of the XFL and then some of the new signings that have just recently shown up on my radar for the Guardians. So the first thing we're going to talk about, we found out that DraftKings is going to have XFL content. This is big for the league. It gives us an established fantasy platform to really grow our fan base and get people paying attention. People will be going through DraftKings and be like, hey, there's XFL, there's football. I'm going to take part in it. And then they'll start watching the games, which is huge for the league and just for this whole experiment that we have called the XFL. It's really good that the XFL didn't try to create their own fantasy platform. They chose an established one to work with. Then the next thing is news of a possible video game. This came out, it's some speculation and rumors that they're negotiating with a partner that is undisclosed, hopefully it's 2K, about making a new football game. And this is big because eventually it could create a new market for this league and create new content for this league, which would be big. First, I want to talk about really quick how that will succeed. First off, it's got to be less than Madden. I'd suggest it's probably 30 to 45 bucks, somewhere in that range. There's no reason to make that game with only eight teams and not much else a $60 game. I get you want to get profit, but still it needs to be a 40, 30, 30 to $45 game. It cannot be as much just due to the fact it's not as popular. It's smaller and it's just not Madden. That's one way to put it. Hopefully it'll be able to compete with Madden, but it should be cheaper to provide another option for people that don't want to play Madden anymore. Then it also needs to be made by probably 2k. They're the only people who can actually compete with EA when it comes to creating a football game and also we have to wait a year or two this league has to last first we have to get past year one and probably half a year two before we even get any more news on this because if I'm a video game company I'm like hey the AAF did not last for more than a year it didn't even last a year so why am I going to put faith in you as a league when I don't know if you're going to last so it's gonna be really interesting to see if any more news comes out of that this year I doubt it will 
I expect it to be probably next year that any news comes out about an XFL video game. It'll be really interesting. Hopefully 2K does it. I want some competition on the video game market. And I think it'll be really interesting to do that. And then just some of the new signings we're going to get into real quick. I have all these breakdowns on my Twitter. You can go and find them at TGP underscore podcast on Twitter. We're going to start right now with Darius Prince. He's a former college basketball player who stands at 6'1 and weighs 195, 190 pounds. Pardon me. He switched to football after he was done with college, beginning in the National Arena League, where he put up 20 touchdowns and 718 yards while earning first team all NAL. Then he went to the AFL Arena Football League and played in two games in the, for Philadelphia that season before earning the Arena Bowl MVP. And then over the next two years after that, he put up 162 receptions, 212 yards, and 45 touchdowns while playing for the Philadelphia Soul, earning first-team All-Arena in 2018, and I believe in 2019. He then got a shot with the Philadelphia Eagles in their training camp. He ended up being cut, and he just now recently signed up with the Guardians. He's really athletic, which I like. He's got a basketball background, which shows he understands leverage and is able to make contested grabs. It's going to be tough for him to make this roster. He joined camp late, but I think he has a good ability. He has a lot of talent, so I think he has a chance of making the roster as kind of a lower-end guy at the receiver depth chart if he's willing to play a lot of special teams as well. The next guy we're going to talk about is Bernard Reedy. He's a former Toledo receiver who's 5'8 and 175 pounds. He was a major contributor at Toledo, earning all-Mac at three positions in 2012. He had 195 receptions, 2,743 yards, and 23 touchdowns. He also returned a lot of kicks and punts and was really dynamic in that at Toledo, which is huge because we just cut two kick and punt returners into Marcus Ayers and Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, which were two surprise cuts. Demarcus Ayers more so for me. He went into the NFL as an undrafted free agent. Bernard Reedy did and bounced around the league. He spent time in Atlanta, Tampa Bay three times, New England and Arizona. He spent a, a little bit of time on active rosters with New England and Tampa Bay and was on practice squads in Tampa Bay, Arizona, and New England as well. He works primarily out of the slot, which is good. This We got rid of Demarcus Ayers when you do a slot guy, and he's got a lot of speed, and he could be a really good return man, so it's going to be really interesting to see if he works there, and I hope he does because we just cut two good returners, so I expect him to get time working as a return man. The next guy I'm going to talk about is Austin Duke. He comes out of UNC Charlotte. He's 5'9", 170 pounds. He was the 49ers, the UNC Charlotte 49ers, leading receiver for four straight years and ended as the team's all-time leading receiver in receptions, 253 yards, 3,437, and had 24 TDs, was also the all-time leader for the school there. He turned that into a shot with the Panthers, spending a year on the practice squad before him being cut at the end of his second training camp. He's a fast guy, works primarily out of the spot, Works primarily out of the slot, pardon me. Makes a lot of people miss, and despite his size, can make plays in the air. I'm a little partial to him personally. He spent time with the Panthers, my favorite NFL team. But he brings an interesting skill set to the slot. I don't know if he returns kicks, but if he does, then he has a chance of making this roster. I'm really excited to see him play. I think he's got a lot of skill as a route runner and a guy in the slot that can make an impact. The next guy we're going to talk about is an offensive guard we just signed. I don't know how to say his name. I'm really sorry if I butcher this. Mai Tiehuma. I probably butchered that. He's 6'5 and 315 pounds. He was at LSU for two years, a starter for two years, before transferring to D1 SES Southeastern Louisiana due to academic issues. He was a freshman All-American at LSU and earned first-team All-Southland Conference at SLU, Southeastern Louisiana. After his college career, he got a minicamp infight from the Saints. Didn't get signed with the Saints, so he spent time with San Antonio Commanders, the AAF, before they ceased operations in April. He's a really big guy, really athletic, showed a lot of promise when he was at LSU, and I expect him to show a lot of promise here, and he may end up making the roster. And the last guy we're going to talk about who kind of fits into this episode as a whole is Garrett Dooley, an outside linebacker from Wisconsin. He's 6'2 and 227 pounds. He's an outside linebacker primarily. He recorded 84 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss, and 11 sacks through 39 games. He was a second-team All-Big Ten in 2017 and was invited to the 2018 Senior Bowl. He got time with the Lions and Vikings while spending two preseasons in the NFL, but he never made it to the final 53. He's an athletic outside linebacker who worked primarily as a pass rusher, but wasn't very good there. He was a really good run defender, though, so I expect him to really thrive there if he ends up making this roster. He's got good size, and he's a pretty decent athlete, so we'll just have to wait and see what he shows. But those are the five new signings. We have a couple recent cuts as well. Nadir Rouse was cut, which is a surprise to me. I thought he was really athletic, but he wasn't very polished, so... That's kind of just what happens. Also, DeMarcus Ayers, which was a big surprise to me, and Damon Sheehy Giuseppe was also cut. So we lost two receivers and a cornerback, but we just signed three new receivers, a linebacker and an offensive guard. It'll be really interesting to see who makes the final cuts. This is the end of this episode. Thank you guys for listening. 
Good luck, by the way, to the Marcus Ayers, Damon Shihigasepi, and Nadia Rouse. Hopefully you get another opportunity out there. You guys deserve it. You guys have worked really hard to get here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay on duty, Guardians fans. Sorry, guys. Totally forgot to plug everything you need to know about this podcast. Now, this is going to be the official end of the, this episode. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter. You can either follow my personal at the underscore sideline 10, or you can follow the podcast Twitter, which is going to be at TGP underscore podcast. TGP is uppercase. And make sure you subscribe and make sure you leave a review underneath so that I can know what you guys think about my podcast. I can know what you guys want to see more of and it also just helps me get more views if you know any other guardians fans make sure you point them in my direction i'd really love it i'd love the extra views and thank you very much i'm really sorry for how late this came out a lot of stuff came up with school i really appreciate everybody sticking with me here thank you so much stay on duty guardians